0: to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm gonna show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Pre-Med Year, session number 390. Hello and welcome to The Premed Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host Dr. Ryan Gray and in this podcast we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. A welcome to the Prima Dears. I am so excited for you to be here today because I have an amazing guest, an even more amazing announcement maybe of this guest and much more. Today I have Dr. Scott Wright, the former Dean of Admissions at UT Southwestern Medical School in Texas, the former director of the pre-health program at UT Dallas and the former executive director, his most recent position of TMDSAS, right? The application service that you know and apply to, maybe you've applied to it, in Texas, he oversaw that whole program. So he had insight and and access to medical schools and dental schools and all of the programs underneath TMDSAS, or the Texas Health Education Service, actually. And he is now... The announcement is that he is now joining Mapped. Now, Mapped is the new technology platform that I have wanted to do forever. And I'm finally able to do it with an amazing co-founder in Rachel Grubbs who has years and years of experience in the test prep world with Prince and Review and Next Step, which is now Blueprint. She left that company last year. And is now my co-founder for mapped. Now you can find mapped at mappd.com. No E. The E costs too much money, so we dropped the E. And you can find out a lot more information and have a lot more fun with us on National Premed Day, which is going to be on May 28th. Yes, 528, National Premed Day. You can find more information at nationalpremedday.com. You can also text NPD, that's three letters, N-P-D for National pre Day, to 844-413-2234. Now that is a dedicated mapped phone number, so you can save that number and you'll get text from that number from MAPT and we'll keep you up to date with National Pre-Med Day, we can keep you up to date with what's going on at MAPT, and we can keep you up to date like what we did With the MCAT coming out or the registration opening up last week as we record this, I used this text platform to notify over 11,000 students of when the MCAT registration opened up. Now, we had some hiccups along the way. There were some spam issues and some other stuff. And I think it all came down to we we didn't have an 844 number, which is a toll-free number. So hopefully all of those issues are fixed. Uh, but 11,000 students signed up to this text platform because the WMC only announces using Twitter, which is ridiculous. And so we announced on uh, through the text message that the MCAT registration was open up. So we'll keep you up to date with all of that as well. But if you text NPD to 844-413-2234, we'll give you a lot of information about National Pre-Med Day. You'll have the opportunity to uh, submit your email address right there and we'll make it super easy for you to stay up to date with what's going on in this mapped world and what's going on with National Pre-Med Day. So again, map to mappd.com Text NPD to 844-413-2234. And without further ado, let's go and jump in and really talk to Doctor Wright. I, I call him Scott in the episode. Um, we'll we'll talk to Scott about kind of his journey and how he got involved in medical education. We talk about mistakes that students make and so much more. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Doctor Scott Wright. Scott, welcome to the pre-med years. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Absolutely. I'm glad to be here.
0: When did you first decide in your life that you loved pre-meds and pre-health students so much that you wanted to spend your life with them?
1: (laughs) So the question assumes that I do love (laughs) pre-meds. No, I absolutely do. Um, Yeah, it was, uh, you know how at least in my experience life is a very serendipitous kind of thing a lot of times and what happened was um i just kind of lucked into uh into medical education and into working with pre-meds and uh, helping them along their journey um i was um had worked in higher ed for about 10 years, uh, eight or 10 years and, um, was, um, returning to Dallas where I, um, had some family and, uh, was wanting to, uh, go back to graduate school at that point and, uh, sort of further my education. And, uh, my experience in higher ed led me to be recruited, um, to uh, go to UT Southwestern Medical School in Dallas, uh, where they were reinventing their admissions process. Uh, they wanted a new vision, and they wanted a new sort of way of doing things. And, and along with the um, chair of the admissions committee, who I became just really great friends with and is now Um, Years later, now the dean of uh, the the big the big dean, not the admissions dean, but the big dean at Yale uh, School of Medicine. Um, And we just began to craft what um, we thought would be um, a great way to select medical students. And my experience had been in admissions um, on the undergraduate level. So I knew how to kind of do processes and procedures. And, and uh, I didn't really know much about medical education, but I knew how to do stuff. And um, so it just kind of happened. It just, it just sort of fell in my lap and I ran with it. And uh, 10 years later, I was still at UT Southwestern. Uh, still directing the admissions process there and uh, loved it uh, I loved the energy uh, of the of the pre-med students of the applicants to medical school uh, I loved the uh, the vision that they had the dreams that they had which really drove them uh, to do what they were doing and some of them it was a short journey they had kind of just decided uh, this is what I'm going to do and they you know, ran with it. Others, it was a longer journey and they really had uh, some obstacles to overcome and some barriers. And, and I think the part of what excited me so much about working with pre-meds was the, 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 just the broadness of that group of, of, of individuals who just were coming from so many different walks of life and so many different, um, backgrounds and, experiences, you know, whatever. And, uh, it was really, uh, re- really great, really fascinating. And every year, uh, when we would look at, um, uh, the, um, pool of applicants, it was, it was always just exciting to see what was going to be there and what we would find. And, and, uh, and so, um, so kind of did that for some number of years, well, 10 years, and I figured uh, over the course of that 10 years, in terms of reviewing applications and uh, as they would come across my desk, I probably reviewed at some level or another, some uh, in a very deep way and then others more cursory as we had other, you know, various people looking in the, at the applications, uh, probably somewhere near 40,000 applications. Wow. Lots. Yeah. And uh, so I got to really know what, what we were looking for, what was, what was um, great about an application and what was just sort of okay with an application. And, and it really, uh, like I said, it just excited me every year to embark on that and and to bring a class in and and introduce each of those people to each other Mm. and to say, this is going to be your, your group, you know, this is your, your cohort this is your family for the next 4 years and uh and uh, it was it was really a, a very exciting time in my life um and then as we kind of uh i i sort of had this uh this uh trend i guess you'd call it throughout my professional life where um I would get recruited to do things, and, and I really often never applied for a job. It was just kind of networking and uh, just that sort of thing. And, and uh, so in uh, 2006, I uh, got recruited to leave, uh, leave the medical school uh, side of things and to go to UT Dallas uh, to direct the all the pre-health programs there and uh this is the undergraduate institution uh, in dallas uh, and um, I was very excited about going sort of to the to the other side of of the equation the the pre-med uh helping them uh, make themselves the best the best applicant they can be uh, to apply uh, to medical school and um, that really um was an incredibly exciting time for me to be able to um, sort of be on that end of things and to help applicants know what was missing from their application or what was going to make them shine out in a better way or what was going to uh, really cause them to uh, be uh, successful in the process. We had about... Uh, every year was a little bit different, but uh, somewhere between 250 and 350 pre-med, pre-dental, uh, largely pre-med and pre-dental uh, students applying to those schools every year. So it was a, a large group of students. We, I uh, obviously had a staff of uh, advisors that we, that we um, were able to sort of uh, work with the students in a, in a very one-on-one direct kind of way, help them. Uh, discover themselves what it was a fr- whether it was a freshman who was new on campus knew he, knew he or she wanted to be pre med and and uh kind of had this sort of foggy dream of what that what that might look like to working with uh you know as they progress along to uh to juniors where they were really on the brink of of uh the application process and then and then as they got into it and helping them and in in a lot of ways it was it was helping them be confident in themselves yeah. all the pieces were there but they uh they were just trying to uh to put them all together and they didn't necessarily know how to do that so that was a a real uh, uh energy boost in in my life to to be able to work with those with those students and And just had a blast of a time when they would get into medical school and they would come running in the office and, you know, we would celebrate or or they would (laughs) email me or, you know, whatever. It was just really, really a a very exciting uh, process to be involved with. Yeah. And yeah, it was really, really awesome. And then 2012, um, I again got sort of recruited. Um, away from UT Dallas to take on the directorship of the Texas Medical and Dental School's Application Service (TMDSAS), and here again was the whole new sort of part of the continuum of medical education. I had been on the med- on the medical school side of things, selecting the students that get in. Uh, had been on the on the other end where we were really. Uh, advocating for our students and helping them along the process, and now here I was uh, finding myself in sort of the middle, where I, where we as an application service were really serving both populations—the the applicants and helping them to traverse the application itself and all that's involved and what they needed to do to to have a good application, but also serving the uh, medical schools with the the data that they needed. Uh, to be able to make uh, the decisions that uh, that was best for their institutions, and so uh, so I, I uh, having done that for eight years uh, was very exciting. We, we did a lot of really cool things uh, um, to really to help uh, both of those uh, populations that I just mentioned, and to make them uh, successful in, in in what they uh, what they were needing and wanting to do. And uh, in the midst of all that, we, we really changed the face of TMDSAS, broadened. Uh, my vision for TMD, TMDSAS was not to just have us be an application service where we had an online application and we, students would fill it out and then we would push buttons and, and do various processes and ship the data off to the medical schools. My, my vision was we need to be a part of helping the students in this process. We need to help advisors with uh, with uh, things that, that, that would enable them to be better advisors. We need to help um, students uh, with knowing uh, throughout the process, what are things that I can do to be the best applicant that I can be? One of these things was the uh, development and ultimately inauguration of Apply Magazine, which we Began uh, three uh, f- three or four years ago, and uh, really um, exciting. And Ryan, you're familiar with that, having written an article for for it last year. And, uh, and it was really uh, really an exciting process to put to put together a lot of uh, uh, a lot of authors of uh, articles that were super relevant uh, to students and to what they were going through or what they needed to know or whatever. And, uh, so that, that, that was, uh, I really allowed me to sort of use my creativity, uh, to, uh, to invigorate what we were doing with, with applicants. So yeah. that's, that's kind of my journey. <laughs> and it, it's, uh, it's been a, it's been a whirlwind. I yeah. mean, it, it's just been an awesome experience for me just 25 years of uh, working with pre-med students and medical students and, and uh, this could, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's just, it's just been awesome.
0: And now the journey continues with mapped, which is really exciting. So if you're listening to this and you're like mapped, what's that? Go to mapped.com and and uh, go sign up to get notified of what mapped is, but yeah. my my vision for mapped uh, is really to to just upend the whole pre-med process to give access and information to students who just don't have it yeah. um, and and really uh, hopefully level the playing field for everyone out there so yeah,
1: yeah.
0: that's my goal and and I'm excited yeah. that you're going to join us for that ride as our first employee at Map, so thank you for, for doing that.
1: Absolutely. Well, I'm very excited about it. I I think it's going to be a real thrill ride. And like all of my, like all the pieces of my journey have been. I think it's going to be uh, an exciting proposition to to continue in the process of helping students. And so yeah. I'm I'm excited about it.
0: And mapped is without an e. M a p p d dot com. So. Um, Scott, it's it sounds like, right, you, you talked about your journey. You have been kind of everywhere and uh, anywhere and everywhere uh, along the path that pre-meds would be interested in. Yep. When looking at the, the actual kind of path for pre-med students, seeing both sides of it from the admissions side to the pre-health side, what are some of the biggest myths or misconceptions that pre-meds have about the, the application process and the process of, of what medical schools are doing with applications?
1: Yeah, there's several that come to mind immediately. Um, one is that uh, everything's about the numbers. Um, that the whole process is really uh, about you know, uh, MCAT and GPA. And uh, while MCAT and GPA are important and and there's no getting around that, um, my experience has been really that above a certain floor of those numbers, it's really about the individual schools looking at applicants in a deep way, trying to figure out who is this person? What are they all about? What is their dream? Why do they have that dream? And what have they done to get get them uh to a point where they can fulfill that dream and this is what we really call the holistic admissions process and every school is a little bit different in how they implement that kind of thing and um some schools are are deep into holistic admissions in terms of really uh, looking super deep uh beyond the numbers and uh other schools you know do it at a at a more uh I wouldn't really say superficial, but not as maybe a deep way um but I think every every medical school at least in my experience those that that i have uh have interacted with um I, they really um they really care deeply and and this is one of the things that I think is is a hallmark or a, a fundamental aspect of the admissions process is that you have these individuals. At the medical school level, who are deeply committed to what they're doing, and it's not just about uh, enrolling a class of medical students. I mean, obviously, that's that's a big part of it. The students that they're admitting into medical schools are the are the future uh, of Ameri- uh, of American medicine. Mm and uh what they really what they really view this as is because the attrition rate in medical school is so low, yeah I mean not you know the vast majority i mean we were talking ninety percent or more of students who go get into medical school, finish medical school, yeah maybe four years, maybe five years later uh you know there's a little a little bit of give and take there depending on their situations and stuff, but the vast majority of them finishing and and they graduate and they go on to practice medicine. And so, you know, um, what, what, what the schools do is they care deeply about enrolling students who are going to be great doctors, who are going to be, uh, physicians that are care, that that are going to care for people and that are going to be successful, um, in helping people, um. Feel better and 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 be uh be the 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 face of healthcare for uh, for American medicine and so so I think that th- that sort of leads me to say what one of the other fallacies or, or myths uh, about uh, about the process is that it's just all sort of automated and you know but but what you really have is c- very caring people who, uh, are trying to do the right thing based on the mission of their institution. Uh, they're trying to do the right thing. They're trying to, to, to get kids that are going to ultimately, um, be good medical students. And then they're going to be good, uh, residents. And then they're ultimately going to be out and be practicing medicine, uh, for a long, you know, for a long time. And so it's, uh, so so I would say, you know, for, for pre-meds that are out there listening, you guys um just realize that um uh that you you have dreams about what you want to do in life. And the medical school admissions officers and committees of faculty members, uh, they have dreams about what they want to see in the future of medicine. And uh and, and they want to see uh students who are who are gonna make it through medical school and are going to uh be uh caring positions that really impact individuals in their communities, their bigger communities, and you know, the public health uh of uh, of of the American population. Uh whether it's in a big global kind of way or whether it's in a very neighborhood kind of way. Um, you know, everybody does their, their thing that they that they really like. And so so that I, you know, I would say that's that's a long way to say what the big uh, what the big myth is. What the myth is that oh, it's just you know some computer figuring out <laughs> who uh, who's got the right numbers and who's going to be you know in our class. And in my experience, at least, it's just not like that. And it really is yeah. uh, a deeper dive uh, on their applications. So yeah.
0: Yeah, it's something that I I talk a lot about and I'm really passionate about students when they're looking for schools to apply to. The majority of students are out there subscribing to the MSAR and going, okay, here's what my GPA is. Here's what my MCAT score is or will hopefully be. These are the schools I'm going to apply to. And they don't look at the mission. They don't look at the vision. They don't look at the school right. to see if it's a fit for them. They don't do right. some reflection to see what they want. And right. and they're missing an opportunity. And it's it's interesting. I, I play this kind of devil's advocate role. I'm like, well, if, if the majority of students are applying based on MCAT and GPA, then the schools have no choice but to accept students within that GPA and right. MCAT range, and therefore their average GPA and MCAT scores aren't going to change much. And right. and they're not, the, the students aren't allowing the schools to take a look, as, as you talked about, right? The schools have these dreams of what they want their their kind of class to look like, what they want their graduates to look like, what they want their the future physicians to look like. and And the students aren't allowing an admissions committee to go, oh, wait a minute, right? Your stats are a little bit lower, but they meet that threshold, right? it's good enough. I I always say it's good enough. Um, and, but there's this one thing in your application and we were just talking about this as a committee that we would love to see some students with this one thing that you have that we haven't really seen much of. And we would love to invite you for an interview, right? Students students aren't allowing schools to do that.
1: Right. That's exactly right. They, they essentially are, are, you know, when a school, when a, a student does not apply a particular school, even if it's just, even if it, let, let's say it's a dream school of theirs yeah. or uh, a stretch school or, you know, however you want to characterize it, um, that they are, um, essentially acting as their own admissions committee and yeah. saying, no, you know, deny <laughs> and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so don't do that. You know, if you, if you have a, as a pre-med student, if you have a dream of going to X school and maybe it's a stretch, uh, n- numerically, uh, but it's, it's just something that you've always thought about and always dreamed of. This would be so awesome or whatever. Um, you know, don't do that. Don't act as, as your own, you know, rejection committee and, and send yourself a dr- rejection letter and, and all that, you know, let the school do that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just, just keep that in mind as a, as you go along throughout the journey and, and figure out. Uh, figuring out, and I'm not minimizing the difficulty of uh, making those decisions, and and for many students, I get it that it's it's also a decision based on financial considerations that they, you know, they have to limit the number of uh, schools that they're applying to, and uh, for for financial reasons, and I, I totally get that, and so I'm not minimizing this the the difficulty of the decision, but most students have a either one or a a small subset of dream schools that they, they say, you know, I'm going to go for this, you know, maybe it's a stretch or maybe not, but I'm going for it. And my, my, my uh, feeling about that always is go for it, do it. And, you know, let, let things play out and see what happens. And uh, so, yeah, absolutely.
0: Now we were both in Toronto in 2018, I think it was. Um, Mm -hmm. And was it? yeah, no, 2018, 2019, it was, it was 2019. Summer, yeah. 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 Speaking at the admissions summit put on mm-hmm. by the the people that wrote or created the um Casper. Yeah. And and the thing that I talked about was transparency, right? I was speaking to the admissions committee saying, mm-hmm. I, "From the pre-med side of things, we would like you to be more transparent." Mm-hmm. Now, I have my own kind of <laughs> reasons why there's a lack of transparency, and most of it is around financial concerns. Concerns. But yeah. from your perspective, what are some other reasons why medical schools aren't as transparent with cutoffs and, and other things that they're looking for?
1: Well, I think part of it is those things uh, change um, year to year. Uh, they may not always be the same. And uh, uh, numerical cutoffs do exist. And, and uh, you know, we, we literally had, um, in my experience at the medical school level, you know, we would have people who who uh, had cumulative GPAs of 2.0 you know, or two point one, and had really never shown that they could be successful in the classroom, and uh, and, and uh, or uh, so so there's these 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 numerical cutoffs and stuff that that do exist, and that's because the medical schools have to make sure that the students are going to be able to handle the curriculum that you're yeah. going to be able to, you know, be able to do it. And, uh, so, um, so I think part of it is that those, those, n- those numbers sometimes change year to year, or maybe even within the year, depending on the pool of applications, uh, that, that may, you know, may occur. Um, and, uh, I think sometimes they're hesitant to publish, uh, numerical values because they don't want it to, um, they don't want it to uh, turn somebody off from applying. You know, if, if they were to say, well, our average uh, GPA for everybody getting uh, an interview uh, invitation was three point whatever, uh, then if somebody's below that, then maybe they'll think, well, I'm not going to apply there. You know, I just yeah. don't fit into their scheme or whatever. And uh, and so I think uh, from the medical school side of things, it, they're they're trying to. Both be uh, wise with what they're doing. They they sort of have a, a a pretty good idea of how many students they they need to interview in order to get a yield uh, to give them a class. And so then they uh, then they tr- are working to, to you know to make that happen. So I I think part of it is is that there's a dynamic quality to the process that, uh, doesn't lend itself often to, uh, being able to put, you know, publish those, you know, numbers, for yeah. example. And, um, so that's definitely a big, a big part of it. I, I think also, um, not as much for private institutions, but public institutions, there's, there's often, um, legal constraints, uh, that, uh, that are, are part of what, uh, they're. they're they have a general counsel or a chief lawyer at their institution and his job is, it is to
0: keep them out of court. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, uh, we yes, have frankly. one medical school. That's a, yeah. a good example of that yeah, um, exactly. in this country.
1: Yeah. And uh, it's just, it, you know, and so sometimes the lawyers are saying, you know, you really can't go down that road in, in terms yeah. of opening up the, the the window of the process to to the general public. And
0: um so you're and, gonna get uh, one student who meets all of those things that you said you're looking for and they didn't get in so why not yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly so Ugh. so there's
1: a you know a lot of different reasons and, and yeah. you know i i some of them i i get and some of them i agree with and some of them i don't get and yeah. don't agree with so uh so i'm certainly not defending the institutions yep. uh, i certainly wish that um, there was more transparency, as you uh, indicated in in Toronto in your in your talk, and and I wish that there was a, a better way for medical schools and admissions uh, and the admissions committees and stuff and and students themselves to be able to say, you know, here, here's who we are, and here's what we do. But you know, at the end of the day, it's people and people. There's applicants yeah. and their people. Yep. And there's admissions officers and admissions committees and they're people. Yep. And people make mistakes and people do the best they can for whatever they, you know, are trying to do. And uh and they, you know, that that's what they do. And uh are mistakes made? Well of course there are. Are there are there, you know, great students that are missed in a process for a school that would have otherwise been a good match for that school? Of course there are yeah. students that get missed. Uh, are there great success stories when when the 2D match up absolutely there are and so you know i i think that um one of the other qualities i think that uh, that i like to say about about what the schools are doing is that they're they're ultimately altruistic in their impulses they they really want it to be about not only about the applicant and what's going to make that applicant successful in their institution, at their medical school. But ultimately, it's about making those students into what I just said earlier was the, um, you know, great examples of people that are serving uh, the public and serving their patients and their patients' families. And um, and, and so in that way, that's why I like to say that the process is really fundamentally among other things, altruistic. It's about. It's not about us as a medical school, you know. It's about the others, the the applicants, and and connecting them with us. And uh, so, you know, I, I think um, you know it's very it's very individualistic um, in terms of the the students, you know, the admissions committees trying to figure out who are these kids, um, and some of whom aren't kids. I, I use kids, and I uh, sort of. Yep. um general kind of way but uh, you know recognizing that th- there's a very a variety of ages and stuff of applicants uh so I guess I should say students sorry for all of you after kids so. <laughs>
0: um one of the things you mentioned right the the 2.3 student or whatever let's bump yeah. that up a little bit to like a 2.8 student who yeah. just hasn't shown any academic capabilities right just yeah. 2.8 yeah. their whole life versus a student who has shown tremendous turnaround, right? They they started yeah. off college just completely unprepared, didn't know what they wanted to do, maybe right. forced to go to college, whatever. Like 1.0, kicked out from school, came back and and really just turned it around and right. are a superstar their last couple of years. Right. The the thing that I always go to with not uh, being as tra- transparent with numbers is because that that number doesn't tell the story. Right. right, the the final number, and, and I, I came right. up with this uh, this slogan: "Your story matters." Talking about mm-hmm. this because I'm so passionate about the trend lines, and and what does your story right. actually tell the admissions committee, and Almost. and that just plays as such a huge part that students don't think about it. They think, "Oh, I'm a 2.8 student, therefore I have no chance." Right,
1: right. No, you're ex- you're exactly right. I mean, you know, this is uh, this is part of the deep dive. That uh, medical schools would try to do in a, in a holistic process is to is to get at those trend lines that you're talking about in terms of the GPA, or understand better why why was that freshman and sophomore year GPA? Why did it look the way it did? Or for a non traditional student, why was their first go around so awful? And they, you know, ten years later now they're they've sort of figured themselves out, and, and now they're going back, and and they're just a whole it's just a whole new ball game. You know, so they're 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 really a, a whole new person in terms of their um, outlook and their abilities and, and stuff like that. So, stu- schools are doing these deep dives to sort of figure out who these kids are. And and uh, and you're exactly right. The two point three student, you have to look at you know the traje- what I call the trajectory, that GPA trajectory. Um, when you look at that, when, if you charted it out, when Mm -hmm. you look at that, does it suggest, um, that there's, that there's really capability here, that there's, there's, uh, meat on the bones, uh, academically speaking, that really, uh, suggests that this student can, can do it. And, um, and, you know, because medical schools have to be concerned, um, about the capability of the students. After all, medical school is school. Yep. And you have to be able to show that you can do school that you can day in and day out, grunt it out and, and, you know, make it through obstacles and, uh, and, and not have the wheels fall off uh, when things happen. Um, and that's why I like to say to students, you know, there's a variety of things as undergrads that happen in our lives. Maybe it's you know, my freshman year and I was just clueless and didn't know what I was doing or or maybe it was you know, sometimes and we used to see things all the time in the applications where it was, you know, my girlfriend broke up with me and I you know the wheels fell off, you know, I didn't know how to how to deal with that, and, and that semester was a horrible semester. Yep. Or I was sick. I you know I had some kind of uh,
0: I had COVID. Um,
1: yeah, I had COVID. <laughs> or I had you know I've had students who had mononucleosis, and it t- okay. it took them out for you know a month or two. And uh, and so you know it, it's it, it's endlessly. But then the the question is trajectory. It's not about one crater or one. Divot in your GPA. It's about the trajectory. Where it, where is this trajectory going? Is it is it a flat trajectory? Is it a, is it an upward yep. uh, trajectory? Is it downward? And, and that's what they're trying to figure out because you know these schools from the application services they get that GPA chopped up in a gazillion different ways. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, students don't understand that. I, I try to explain that a bunch, is yeah. is what they see on that PDF printout isn't what yeah. the schools see. The schools just right. get all the data points and they have their oh, own yeah. software and right. st- statisticians that are dividing all the yeah. numbers and showing them yeah. what they want to see and how they want to see yeah. it. So
1: absolutely I absolutely
0: yeah. And I'm excited for mapped to be able to, once students enter in their courses and grades, to really see those trend lines and their trajectory yeah. lines, as you call them, of, of yeah. where are they going and then and then also get feedback on those to say, hey yeah. Looks yeah. like you're you're dropping down here at the finish line. That potentially could be an issue. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm really excited for the yeah, future absolutely. of mapped and, and what oh, we yeah. can do with that helping students. So absolutely. Scott. Yes, sir. What is the one thing as we wrap up here, the one thing that a student listening to this, what's the one thing that anyone can do right now to hopefully increase their shot of getting into medical school? Hmm. Wow. I can only say one thing. What one thing?
1: (laughs) You know, um, and I don't want this to sound too cliche or too, uh, you know, too uh, uh, trite uh, or whatever. Um, But I think often it's, you know, what you find is a mind game. Students play mind games and with uh, themselves yeah yeah oh absolutely with themselves and uh and they they often they overthink things yep and uh and 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 so and and I'll, i'll tell you what 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 my one thing is and in order to tell you what that one thing is i'm gonna i'm gonna give you a quote from one of my favorite uh professors um and this, your listeners will know this professor. He's very famous worldwide, just uh, an, a phenomenal individual and uh, somebody who has an, an incredible amount of wisdom. And so this, this quote comes out of that, that wisdom. Is it from me? No. <laughs> <laughs> See, you're describing me over here. I was getting <laughs> Yeah, and I kind of forgot what I was going to say. But <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, this, uh, this quote is from this famous professor named Albus Dumbledore. <laughs> I know everybody's heard of Albus Dumbledore, and, and clearly from the Harry Potter series. But at one point, uh, at one point uh, Professor Dumbledore says to Harry, Harry, uh, it is our choices that show who we truly are. It's far more than our abilities. It's our choices. Yeah. And so what I would say is that it's this one, for the one thing I would say, that every one of the students that is listening to this podcast right now, or maybe you know three or four months from now, they, they find it somewhere on the web or whatever, and, uh, and they're listening to it. You have a choice. You have a series of choices to make today, tomorrow, Next week, next month, and those choices are going to say a lot about who you are in this whole process. Uh, the choices are going to be: Do I study today, or do I take a nap? Uh, do I am I going to write that uh, that paper for that class, or am I going to go out with my friends, or am I going to play video games, or or sometimes they're they're even more nuanced choices like, um, am I going to study for for class a or class B, you know, which is the priority. Um, some of it, some of them are choices about, am I going to pay attention to class or am I going to go to class at all Mm -hmm. uh, today? Um, or am I going to, you know, am I going to in this virtual, uh, reality we're in right now, uh, am I going to actually stay in front of my computer, and listen to the lecture on zoom or am i going to act like i'm doing that but really i'm on my phone or doing whatever else it's all about these choices that we have and uh, those choices ultimately are going to have a great deal of meaning into what we're going to be and every day we have choices every day we have a choice uh, of of what kind of person we're going to be and what kind of growth we're going to show in our lives and uh, i much th- difference when you look back at when you look at applications and you can identify these these critical points that an applicant was in uh when something happened or when a class they encountered didn't go the way they wanted it to or whatever and uh And I think that they they have a choice uh, students have a choice to make have a series of choices. Um, that are going to uh, that are going to be meaningful. And so, my encouragement to students is: make good choices. Um, make good choices every day. Um, you know, we all have great intentions at the beginning of the semester where we are going to stay ahead. We're going to read ahead. We're going to do papers a month in advance. And yeah, you know, blah blah blah. We you know I, we were all that way. I mean, I was that way, and I sucked at it uh, <laughs> when I was when I was a student in my especially undergrad. And um, but we have, you know, we have these choices. And so what I would encourage students, uh, if you, when you when you listen to this, as you listen to this, think about what choices do I have to make today? What choices do I have to make tomorrow that are going to be good choices that are ultimately going to uh, take me to where I want to be in life? And, uh, and, and my sense is that if we make good choices, that we'll get. We'll get it. We 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 can. You know, you can do it as a student. You can be um, successful in this process. This this um, gruesome process that we call the medical school admissions process. You can be successful in it by making good choices and and allowing those choices to show who you truly are. So so keep that in mind. I think so. That would be my my one piece of advice. I guess for today.
0: All right. There you have it. Again, Scott Wright, our first hire at Mapped. So Rachel and I are the co-founders. Scott is or Dr. Wright is the first hire that we have. We're accepting names uh, for his position. So it, after you listen to this, if just something comes to mind for a title for Scott, let us know because we're, we we want to have a cool title for him maybe. We'll see. Um, but I hope you enjoyed it. Again, National pre mid Day is coming up on May 28th. If you're listening to this before that day, I would love for you to join us. We're going to have a fun day planned with tons of stuff going on. Again, text NPD to eight four 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 one three two two three. 413 223 Four. Hope you have a great week, a great day, and I will speak to you later. This is Meded Media.